The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Meanwhile, back at the above-ground, underwater, suborbital volcano lair. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. Hey, Derek, do I change things up? I'm going to the whole show talking like this. I would prefer if you didn't. <laughs> okay, I won't. Um, <clears throat> steps are getting closer to getting the website, the WeebyGeeks.net website caught up. Obviously, the collective site is current. Um, I won't tell you how many back episodes I got post up, but all the artwork's done for them, and I'll get caught up by Monday. Um, but someone who probably knows what we're going through with the podcast, growing pains, and trying to get marketing and other stuff out there, uh, she is the sales and marketing specialist, and I don't think that. I think that title, I know she's still involved in sales and marketing, but I think the title may have changed. I don't have the email popped up, but that'll be the first question I ask. We have Amber Curtis from Zenoscope with us. How are you doing? I'm lovely. Thank you guys so much for having me on your podcast. So you're still sales and marketing, but it's a new title, correct? If I remember the email. It's kind of weird. So I have right now we're just kind of calling it sales and marketing, but I do a slew of things for Zenoscope. So obviously I oversee all of their marketing efforts, like their social media and what they run um, promotion wise, stuff like that. I'll, I'll help out in that realm. But then on top of that, I also have like assist in the community and that's going to take more community efforts as the restrictions continue to lift, like doing more stuff, having more relationships with local comic shops, doing more stuff in the Philadelphia region, which is where we're based. And then finally overseeing our entire convention schedule as we start to go back to in-person cons. Okay. Now quick, if you've heard any of our shows in the past, or heard about our shows, you know, we will tangent, derail, whatever. So you said Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Geno's or Pat's, or truly, I don't remember the name of it. Jim's. Is that the place on the east, on the Jersey side of Philly? 
that is uh, actually the best cheesesteak in Philly? Actually, well, I, Jim's is on South Street, so I'm not. I'm gonna say that Jim's is the best is the best cheesesteak for sure. If I have to pick through Pat's and Gino's, I would always pick Pat's. I will say, if we're referring to Tony Luke's, that is probably my least favorite cheesesteak. Yeah, it's not Tony Luke. Um, in high school, I was part. Uh, my Jewish youth group was part of a region that incorporated Philadelphia. Uh, we were one of two youth groups in New York. So we went into Philly all the time for events that weren't done at the camp, uh, at the regional camp. And people go, oh, we got to go to Pat and Gino's. And they're like, yeah, no. We'll go to Jim's or we go, um, there's another place a little further out heading towards Cherry Hill area. I don't remember. I don't remember the name of it. It's been so long. But I, I appreciate the answer is that the official answer is not pat or genos no it's not it's jams because to me the proper way to eat a sandwich to pick between pat and genos is to buy a sandwich from both mix the meat and cheese together and take the and take one half of the bun from one and one half of the bun from the other and make it a a pagino or or a jet sandwich just and combine, combine it well just combine the two that's, and actually that's, that's some, actually not too bad but that that's, that sounds really <laughs> radical that's the radical way of thinking yeah, yeah to me i think that's where i get the best of both worlds um and even then they still don't compare to gyms or or this other place i'm thinking of yeah you know a lot of just corner shops in philly are yeah. really good like I went to I went to Temple University and it was just like you go around the corner or Richie's. Richie was like the really big vendor yeah, on campus. Yeah. And it's, it's the smaller ones that are always just, you know, they put that love. They put that yeah. love into it. I, and most of them have, have been have worked at either Pastor Chino's at one point and discover this isn't what's working and this is what makes it a better sandwich. There's just less pressure too. to every time I go up, my mom just visited a couple of weeks ago and we went to Pat's actually at eight in the morning on a Saturday, which is really funny. We were going to this new like club experience at Insomnia Cookies, which is across the street from Pat's and Gino's. Okay. I've like, heard about Insomnia. Yep. They started like this cookie lab. It's now like a club where you can make all of these types of cookies. Anyway, so we decided we were going to go to Pasagino's at seven or eight in the morning. And when we got in line, I told her, I was like, mom, you know that you have to say what kind of cheese you want and whether you want onions. She's like, okay, do I say American with onions? I was like, no, everybody knows that you have to say, you guys know. It's whiz, right? Yep. You have to say um, whiz wit. Yeah. Yeah, being being having been from New York, I was always just whiz it, and, and I, I they're like, oh, you're from New York, okay. It was that bypass, but um, so I guess tell us a little bit about what you do for Zenoscope first, and then I'll have a follow up question unless Derek beats me to a second question. Uh, yeah, so right now, really, again, mentioned before, but a lot of just marketing efforts when I came in, it was really, Zenoscope has a lot of fantastic titles. It's been mentioned multiple times, but they're the biggest female-driven universe out of any comic book publisher out there. And, you know, that's really, really important and valued at Zenoscope. So 
a lot of me coming in was to get that word out because Zenoscope has already fantastic titles. They have really great storylines and a lot of people just don't know about them because they know so much about the, the bigger, the bigger publishers and everything like that. So that's part one is really getting, you know, their fantastic content out to fans and finding new ways to market that, whether through social as I mentioned before, working more in the community and doing a little bit different types of advertising campaigns. Uh, part two is, is helping connect more with comic shops. We have a fantastic sales team already, but uh, getting again, like next level, really being there for our retailers. We did a fantastic program called the retailer program, which we're still doing. We're doing it by um, twice a month, but now we're going to just end up doing it once a month from here on out just because we're starting to get really busy. But basically what we were doing is we were selling comics on the live streams and like we were doing a lot of our collectibles and then we would partner with a retailer shop and they would get 50% of the proceeds. Yeah. So, so far with what we've done, we've raised over $10,000, which is incredible. And, uh, our, you know, without local comic shops, our product's not out there. So it's so important that we give back to them. So again, getting more of that information out there. And then part three is working on the convention schedule. You know, we're really just going to be doing two cons. Usually they do, you know, 20 to 30 a year and then the pandemic hit and it kind of put everything out of loop. But this year we're going to be doing Megacon in Orlando, which is about a month from now. And then we're doing New York Comic Con in October. And then we'll probably pause and figure out what we're doing for 2022. Megacon, my backyard. Oh, yeah. Orlando. I, I, I work for Walt Disney World. As a, Did you? I, I still do. I, I work there as a, in entertainment. So, yeah, I love going to Megacon. And prior to Fan Expo buying them, I had no problems getting media passes because of the show. And of course, you know, I have the I play the audio from their YouTube video at the front of the show to help promote. I would talk about you know my experience experience on the show yeah, at the show because um, we yeah if we hit, hit a show we always try and do a con review on air and then fan expo came about and they're like yeah your readership's not strong enough i'm like podcast not yeah i have a website but it's for the podcast yeah that's how that here, uh, here, works here, here's my numbers for the podcast <laughs> Here, here, here's for, actually this is the number for the three podcasts that I run, um, and so three years in a row I got shot down for media passes, and one of those was 2017 when um, one of my other co-hosts on Mighty Marvel Geeks, the Marvel show we run, when he and I got media passes for um, Star Wars Celebration 2017. Wait, this is insane. A, we, a major show, we get media passes, but you say I don't have the readership for you guys. So I don't know. I put in for media this year and I haven't heard anything. And it's so, a month away. And so I don't know. Because I was going to try and go on that sun, uh, the Sunday of the show because that's usually my day off. So. so what other cons do you do in like the Florida area? Um, I'm planning if, if I don't hear anything about Megacon, um, because 
I just know how crazy it has gotten, especially for the last day. I, I'm not even going to worry about it because the following weekend is Fanboy Expo. And we actually know one of the, the guests that's going to be at the show. So we're going to try and go and meet up with him. Uh, he's actually been a guest on, on this show, uh, Blaine, Blaine Weaver. Cool. Eric. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's a friend of my wife's. Uh, they were high school classmates, a couple years apart, um, but high school classmates. And so, uh, yeah, we were going to try and go fan expo, fanboy expo to see him. Uh, Spooky Empire's here. And they, pre-pandemic, typically did two shows. And uh, actually... I'm debating actually trying to go to fam uh, to Spooky Empire this October if it's still happening. Um, there's Tampa Bay Supercon. Tampa Bay Comic Con. Tampa Bay Comic Con, and right now no one knows what's happening with it. It almost seems like the website's dormant. And there, uh, I know I saw on my timeline there was somebody who was supposed to be a guest there who they haven't heard anything from them. So. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. So, um, I'd be curious to see what happens with the shows in this area. Uh, I know there's, um, there's a comic book store. They do a comic and toy show every, uh, every quarter for like one or two days, for like either a Sunday only or a Saturday, Sunday type event. So yeah, it's, there, there's quite a few. There's, there's quite a few small ones, um, and they do. I think they do bring in a lot of even some of the smaller comic creators in, which is great because I think for companies like Cinescope or Valiant or some of the others, it allows more exposure to those creators. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I um, so before I lived in Philly, and then before I lived in Philly, I lived in Connecticut. Before I lived in Connecticut, I lived in Florida. So I've been to Spooky before. Okay. Um, I I know the showrunner Petey. Great show. Big. I'm a big horror fan. Just side side point. So I love Spooky. Think it's a great show. Uh, I done MegaCon. I had never been before in form of audit, um, but I did also uh, was in the same circles of the the girls who owned it beforehand, and I know that everybody always raves about them. Um, and yeah, they, they were awesome. I know it was getting to a point, it was getting to be too much for them and fan, fan expo, uh, which is, uh, they're the group that run, uh, Boston. Yeah. Comic-Con. They Boston, Dallas. Dallas. They have, they have they two just, shows in Dallas. Yeah. They just bought Denver. Um, really? And Sam Fran. Yeah. They're really, you know, they're, they're really putting themselves out there and, and, uh, really going for the gold. So well, they, they were, I know they, they started in Canada and were pretty much the, the repop of Canada. Um, and I know you worked at repop according to your bio and we'll get to, I did. we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, but it was, but I, I think the first American shows they were involved with were the two shows in Dallas. There was, oh, I'm not sure, but that, that might, that might sink. I'm not sure though. Cause I know they hit, they did, uh, there was the spring show, which was a, um, a fan expo 
Dallas Fan Expo or Fanboy Fan something. I don't, I don't know if they use the actual Fan Expo. And then there was the Dallas, uh, the fall show. Because, yeah, they do a spring and fall. Like Yeah, they do like us. And now I know this whole past year they're, they're calling them like special editions because they're going to be smaller cons. To, this whole quick side note, not to get on a tangent, but this very interesting 2022 for con season is going to just be so interesting because everybody had to take a break, right? And so then they wanted to fit their shows in at the end of 2021 because they need to recap some of the losses and connect with that fan base. And then, but they're like, oh no, we need to get back to 2022. However, we just had shows in Q3 and Q4 in 2021. So yeah. now we're not even going to be on the right dates in 2022 because if you have a show that's regularly in april and you run your show in december you can't have a show in april and have like fans it's just too much con fatigue so it's it i think 2023 is gonna be you know where everybody hopefully bounces back and tries to yeah. get back to their correct schedule well i know with megacon for the last since fan expo came into play it's been the last couple of years they've been going memorial weekend it's like i don't know Truthfully, how well their numbers have been. I know for me, it's difficult because that's the start of our peak season and it's hard to get Memorial weekends off. Plus, typically for my daughter, since she's in dance, that's the weekend of her dance recital. So I'm like, oh, I got other family things to do. I would love to go to the con, but between working and then taking time off to either work or attend my daughter's recital, I can't do the show. So this year with it now being August and I almost wish they would go back to the, their February, March timeline where it used to sit. I think it would be so much better. Yeah. It's always interesting why cons move and everybody kind of has their own agenda and reason to that. Like a lot of, as we all know, the convention center rules the world, right? So they give you whatever you get. But because they shifted so much, and I know that they're going to continue. At one point, I knew that they were going to continue to kind of move their dates around. I don't really know what their plan is post-pandemic. But it it is interesting where they feel that their audience is going to be most popular and most happy with those dates. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, San Diego wanting to do do theirs at a Thanksgiving weekend, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, my assumption with that is that it was the only dates that they could get for 2022 or 2021. And that's the only reason they did it. Other than that, I I can't imagine. I did a show with a company before I worked for Reed and we did it the weekend after Thanksgiving. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't a a hot show. (laughs) We'll put it that way. Mm. I can imagine. Yeah, you're just competing against Black Friday too. Like once Black Friday has passed, right. and everybody has spent all of their money there. Like the show wasn't a total. It, it ended up being fine, but because it was right after, all the exhibitors told us they're like right after Black Friday, people have already spent their first round of Christmas money, and now they're gonna either like wait till deals get better, or they're gonna be probably right before Christmas. So. You know, to do a Christmas con, you have to have a Christmas con theme. Other than that, like your show probably won't perform well either. It almost seems like too the the only two weekends that would be best would be either the second second weekend 
and the, the second and third weekends with that third weekend typically being the one right before Christmas where you're, yeah. you're looking for that last minute gift idea for, for that geek in your, in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys have a great Christmas show in Orlando to um, Hallmat. I do not know that one. <gasps> Holiday Matsuri. I'm going to shout that out really quick. That is a huge cosplay con. It's also like, I know a lot of my uh, cosplayer friends go to it. Big anime con too. Uh, big mm. party con too, but uh, uh, one of the few really, really popular Christmas cons, how that. So if you ever want go check it out. Hmm. I'm going to have to try and check it out. Interesting. Oh, the one, this, Derek, this is going to be the fun one. Getting all my daughter's friends who are into anime, which that no. group of friends are now getting into anime with the Hunter Hunter and Demon Slayer and some of the others. Uh, Monster Hunter, I think was another one. Um, telling them about a specific anime theme convention. I can see all us parents going, really? Are we going to have to take you guys to this? And I know Megacon is big on anime, but I think Megacon, while it's a great show, and I, I don't knock the show, it's a great show. They have so many different tracks going on between anime and gaming and cosplay and comics. It's literally mega. It's a mega convention that they don't know truly at this point in time what the show truly is. It's we just know we're a pop culture show and we're going to throw it all out there on the table. And how that show manages to not have problems with clashes is amazing because it's literally you see people come in it's like okay here go all the anime kids heading towards anime and you'll never see them because it almost seems like anime has their own little mini exhibit floor and they just stay there gaming's the same way and then everything else fits on the main exhibit floor and those panels and you do get a little bit of the anime and a little bit of the gaming for those who decide to venture out of the other world into the exhibit floor because they gotta go eat maybe it's, it's just megacon it's just it's a unique experience it's i have not attended a actual comic con to know what a comic con is supposed to feel like I've done Star Wars celebrations and I've done Megacon and both of them are totally different than what a normal comic con is. So I'm jealous of you, Derek, of having Boston comic con. (laughs) And we may have to see about going one year. Actually, I've never actually gone to Boston comic con to be honest with you. Well, we need to try and get you media passes. Yeah. Might be too late now. It shows in September, but I usually like going to the smaller conventions. See, I I almost like the smaller conventions too because it it tends to be definitely a lot more locals and and a lot more smaller businesses, which deserve yeah, and and a lot more indie creators, which we have become more fans of. um, As I don't know if you heard or not, when we talked with, with David. We interview a lot of uh, independent film stars and film directors and whatnot. 
and we have really, we love the big studio companies, but we also like the, uh, we, we've grown into more indies and I'm working on a couple more casts for August. Oh, nice. October coast. Mm. Great folks hooking us up. So, um, so maybe to cover or get a different perspective on Zenoscope from what we got from David in through your eyes and then through a sales and marketing world, how would you describe Zenoscope and, uh, and what you think that the ta- target audience is? So the target audience is according to analytics, definitely males and definitely 90% of the audience <laughs> is males, at least on social media. I, I don't, I don't and- buy that. <laughs> 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 and, uh, uh, let's see. Most of the audience, I'd say 70% of them, at least the majority is, you know, 25 plus, but the majority, majority of 25 plus is probably 30 to like 55, 60. Those are the, the core audience of people who, who really enjoy. And, you know, I, that has a lot to do with the cover images and how Zenoscope was marketed in the past, which is, you know, um, girls and empowered female maybe wearing more provocative outfits, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, but I'd like to see, you know, us, the women, when I've been told in the past, when people come to conventions and they convince people to read the stories, get a book that almost every single time they'll get multiple people come back the next day saying, wow, I looked at the cover and was like, uh, a little nervous. And then I read the story and I was super into it. And I think that's what it is, is the covers are so beautiful, but if, if you, you might feel a little intimidated by them. And then when you go in and read the story, you're like, oh, this is a really great story that I relate to. Like as a female, that's what I enjoy most about reading our comics is as I'm reading the female, um, when they're going through and they're having their inner monologues and their inner demons and their conflict, it all is very relatable issues to what I'm going through. So I feel like if we can find a better way to really get a, a broader audience and a newer target audience to read our stuff, they're going to end up really liking it. I think in a roundabout way, I kind of agreed on your point. Some of the, some of the issues I have read and I haven't read a lot. I'm still really, I will say I'm very green with, with Zenoscope and I'm working on changing that, but it, it has been since I've gotten back into the collecting world really a little bit more since my daughter was born and the development of digital comics and being able to get them digitally as well. So I don't ruin gorgeous covers. The covers were intimidating because it'd be like, I don't want to have this in the house with my daughter when I'm trying to pr- promote a positive imagery positive you know and i know this is gonna sound so wrong but i'm trying to be a parent (laughs) i completely understand (laughs) it's like no be respectful in how you dress but yet here i am looking at a comic and the person has barely anything on at all like and, and trying to explain there's a difference she's an adult you're not 
until you're an adult, you, you need to be more respectful on how you dress. That that way, she, you know, she learns what it is and then learns afterwards that how she dresses, she has to take the responsibility, but she's still not at that stage where she knows the responsibility and as said at conventions with a lot of these cosplayers, no means no. And that's the biggest thing because when she would cosplay, people would go, Oh, can I take her picture? And they would look at my wife and I, I was like, you got to ask her if she says no, it's no. And we'll walk away. If she says it's okay, then, but I'm always real close to the person because, well, I'm dad. I'm going to protect my child. If I'm not around, my wife still usually stays fairly close because, well, she's mom and she's going to protect her child. So it's, it's one of those when she gets older, I told her, I said, you ever dress like slave Leia? Cool. Just know I'm going to be around and the lightsaber is going to be used like a whip. I will, (laughs) I will beat people down. I'm just telling, I'm just saying. Uh, so, and then if she ever does, that destroys my image of Slave Leia from that point on. It's like, my daughter's done this. I can't, no, no. Anyway. um, Now, coming from a different angle, because I'm not a parent, um, I started I started reading Xenoscope stuff back when they were doing the Alice in Wonderland when they started with the Alice in Wonderland books because I mean yeah uh, I mean I'll admit of course I like the covers but I actually like the concept of the book which is what drew me into it um, and then when I read it I was like this this is great stuff it's a lot of so I think that's the other thing that not enough people might realize is that Xenoscope has some cool concepts as well. Yeah. It's just, it's just getting through that intimidation of the cover. Yeah. Agreed. It's funny because I was actually meeting with a team. So we're very close to launching, um, uh, second campaign. (laughs) Body pillows. That that will be next. We're very close to launching a second life campaign. So we had to meet with their, PR team today and they were like tell us mm. the selling points of Zenoscope before we launch and I said I was working with the licensee uh, woman and she was you know sharing about how we have the biggest female driven universe out of all comics blah 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 and the next thing I said was very to that point where we have the stories and the characters that you probably recognize however they're told in a totally different more nuanced more fun something you've never heard of way so people will look at that and they'll say oh i know alice in wonderland and then you open up the the comic and it's a totally different story but a story that you're probably interested in if you're reading our books okay um exactly trying to remember what books did i say i i know i want to get into robin hood um Mm -hmm. because i'm i love archery um i probably out in the garage i have two bows of my own i have and we have my wife's bow which were my compound was given to me by my father-in-law partially because he got a new compound uh the other double recurves we have um 
my mom gave to us after my dad passed away. So it was the bows that they initially shot with. I'm like, okay. And now we're looking at getting one for my daughter, but I've also got one of my father's handguns as well. But I'm like, you know, if I have a choice, I'd rather use the bow over the handgun, especially if someone's in the house, because I can still get to me. I have, I just feel I have a better shot because I, I, I've done more archery than I, I have shooting. And it's what I'm more comfortable with. Um, but there was a, what, I don't remember the other time without going and looking. I don't remember what the other title was. I was, oh, the, uh, the two Ripley's. Oh yeah. The Ripley's series. Yeah. Um, the, which the two was more series. like our silver dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Love to go back and, and, and read those. Yeah. So I know that license is over. And I think at this point we just have to give away, I've seen the issues in the books. The covers were really cool though. You know, I think that was again, hopefully something we can, we can continue to grow in at Zenoscope is the, they have a lot of good stuff. They started the separate publishing silver dragon, which was geared towards children. And then it never really (laughs) went anywhere. I think because at that point, so many people had associated Zenoscope with the intimidating covers that uh, it's hard to see them as anything else. And Silver Dragon put out a lot of really good, like children style style stories that I'd really like to see us, you know, breathe life into again in the future to create that, you know, new target audience of of people who will just enjoy good content. Now I'm looking at, the online shop i've gone to new releases and i will say seeing the covers that i'm seeing now they're not nearly as intimidating as they were oh almost 10 years ago i i think a lot of that has to do with you know we kind of joke around about it at the office a lot of other publisher publishers are doing what we're doing. So if you look, there are, you know, more provocative images on things. We just yeah. been really labeled on it. And I think as like the industry of evolves, but I also think that um, a lot of our collectible covers become more provocative. So our, our new releases, you know, stick to, um, uh, more like, here's what's happening on the cover that gives away the story. Right. And, and, and some that are or the women are scans, it, it's the character in the realm that they're in. Yeah. And it's just so, what they I mean, wear at this point. If she's worn the outfit the whole time, this is going to be her outfit. She's not changing it. She's not adding more clothing. You know how hard it is to work out <laughs> and add clothing? It's difficult. <laughs> yeah, because the more you, you sweat and you're burning all that energy, the more heat builds up. You just want to take more off. It's true. <laughs> So I don't know how y'all do it with the long hair. I, I, this is too long now. I'm ready to shave it off tomorrow. It's horrible. I'm training for a marathon right now. This will be my third marathon. And I run in like a lot of side races. Yes. But like, I'm the type of person that uh, for lack of a better term strips when I run, I'm like, okay, I was wearing this long sleeve. Why did I do that? I'll just run in this (laughs) tank top or whatever. And then your hair starts to stick to you. And I'm like, this is just horrible. Why am I doing this? (laughs) So have you ever considered doing any of the Disney marathons or half marathons? So the very first marathon I ever ran was the Disney marathon and it, yep, it took place, uh, a couple years ago now. 
And I had run a lot of races. I had run a lot of like halves, 10Ks at that point. And then I said, that's it. I'm going to run a marathon when I turn 26 because then it'll be 26 miles. And I said, you know what? Marathons are really sucks. 26 miles is not fun. But I bet if I run it at Disney, it'll be a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. Well, they just announced they're coming back. And their first one is going to be the wine and dine half marathon. In November. I saw the the two mat two of the medals look really really awesome. The Isma medal, like who doesn't want an Isma medal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a runner anymore. Oh really? I actually used. I didn't realize my camera was so off. Um, I used to. I used to be a lot lighter in high school. Working at Disney is where I put on all my weight. Like do a show, sit. Do a show, sit. Or you get bored in between shows and you just want to eat because you've just expended so much energy. You got to re- almost like it's, but you do it with all the wrong stuff and it, it's finally caught up. Um, but I have reconstruction of a ligament in my ankle. They said you could go out and you could play on, you know, play football, soccer, ultimate frisbee, kickball, whatever. Your days running on pavement and running track and field events done yeah i believe it so i i switched to hockey and been okay ever since (laughs) it's probably more fun you know running is so difficult on your body like there's only that's why my goal in life is to run five marathons because my dad ran four marathons and i'm like (laughs) once i beat my dad i I feel like i've succeeded (laughs) on my own really um but it's, it, it's really takes a toll on you. Like I have a lot of knee problems. Your body's just not meant to run a marathon. It's the first person that ever ran a marathon died. That's because it's not, you're not meant to run a marathon. And I, I hear you on the knee problems. I just had knee surgery back in December. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Knee problems as well. So. Well, and I, I have to wear an unloader brace pretty much up until the point I have knee replacement. And they're talking right now. That could be 20 years. Yep. Wow. So I'm stuck in a brace for at least 20 years. So. so of course, Mike, there's also the fact that we're old. So, yeah. Yeah. And trans slender. <laughs> oh, I like that's a good way to put it. And once I get all the weight off, I'll be transparent. So what were you going to move on to now? <laughs> Body pillows. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is going to be body po- Zenoscope body pillows with Amber Curtis. <laughs> uh, I'm a, such a believer in body pillows. So I, my start really in cons was with Supercon, Florida Supercon, which takes place in Miami. And uh, yeah. they're a big anime show. They're on my repop now. Aren't they? They are. That is how I ended up joining ReadPop is that when they bought the show, I was working for Supercon. The quick side fun story. I was working in advertising. I was selling news um, and Supercon was my client. I was selling commercial space. And basically one day the owner came to me and said, I'd like to hire you. And we we talked about it and I thought it was a good opportunity because I was really into pop culture stuff. So I went and joined his team and we were running five shows at the time. We had launched three new markets. So we had a show in Miami, a show in Raleigh, a show in Minneapolis, a show in Louisville and a show in Richmond. And 
three months into me working there, maybe not even, we go to lunch and then the owner says, well, our company might get bought. And I'm like, I just left my manager position, cushy sales job at the Fox affiliate news station in Miami that I've been at for four years for you to tell me that the company that I transferred to is about to get bought. And, uh, So I went to the show. It was in July. No one told me Reed Pop was there. And then their head of sales, a fantastic guy named Ryan Will, said uh, he sent me an email. He's like, hey, I'd like to talk to him at the show. I'm like, I don't even know who this person is. Like, I had no idea who they were. And then um, we met and and I went to their uh, headquarters in Norwalk. And my really good friend, Sean, who was our marketing person at Supercon at the time, went too. And basically they said, well, if we buy the show, uh, then we'll let you know if you're hired at Read Pop. But we can't talk to you besides that. And I said, OK, how long is it going to be to you know whether you're going to buy Supercon or not? And they said, um, it, like probably like 30, 60 days. Eight months later. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. No communication. Yeah. Like I saw them at New York Comic Con. Everybody was really nice. Reed Pop's a great company, great team. And uh, yeah, one day I got a call from the vice president, Mike Armstrong, and he said, hey, we're buying Supercon. We'd like to hire you. Uh, this is how it's all going to go down. And within 48 hours, I was working for Reed Pop. Like I was totally done with the other company. And it was an, an interesting situation because usually when a company gets bought, they buy the company and then the company becomes a part of Reed Pop. But because the owners of now GalaxyCon wanted to stay in business and run their other shows very successfully, they ended up um, keeping their shows. So just me and the marketing person then joined Reed Pop. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Very exactly interesting. How it went down. Uh, but full circle story, when I went to the anime con or the like mostly anime audience, uh, those that's where I saw the body pillows. And I'm like, what? It, what is this? They're like, oh, everybody has a body pillow. And uh, that's how I, I'm <laughs> known to come and love them and respect them because they're so big in the anime community. So are there plans in Xenoscope pin up body pillows? I think in the future there are. I'm going to make a, a big push for it because uh, body pillows are really popular. Honestly, I think it would be a good sell. Thank you. Make them, so, a, uh, make them out of ballistic nylon. That way they're a little more cut resistance because you know, we are talking guys here. <laughs> Did I go the wrong direction? Well, Sorry. That, to be fair, that's I. We can't imagine. I, not, I don't know what people do with their body pillows. Maybe they just sleep with them. You know, I have a bunch wanna of stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, what do I want to know? But if anybody who works for Zenoscope is out there, cough, cough, Ralph Tedesco, co-founder, uh, <laughs> just just know that we should have body pillows. <laughs> body pillows can be a good thing. Um. So what other things uh, with marketing are you looking at bringing to Zenoscope? So I'd say a lot of it has to do more with like reaching out and doing more advertising and maybe getting a little bit more bold with our strategy. If a lot of our covers are going to continue to be like somewhat, you know, geared towards a certain audience, maybe really leaning in more towards that audience as well as, 
just going after a brand new audience because as the industry evolves, you never know at what point everything's going to change, right? The pandemic happened, a lot of struggle, a lot of companies struggled because they were so reliant on cons, cons disappear. Luckily, Zenoscope did a great job shifting and now do virtual cons. But a lot of what's going to happen next is a lot of customer service and customer retention. Basically, we've been doing a lot of surveys now and asking people, what do you want to read? Like, what are you most interested? Who out there are you reading and why are you reading them? What would you like to see in in more of our stuff. I definitely say having more diverse characters is definitely a priority of ours as well. Um, as, as we continue in this universe and, uh, really just listening to the fans and then tapping into what I'd like to call casual fans. So the people who really probably became more knowledgeable in Marvel and DC and really like the Avengers movies and stuff like that, who don't fully know what's out there in the pop culture world, but have at least taken an interest in it. I think they're a big target audience to go after right now. Uh Good plan is um, some other stuff that's kind of just on our agenda. So we just launched a Kickstarter. It's a Van Helsing box set that we're doing right now. Um, yeah. We'll have n- nine graphic novels. It looks badass. It's it's so cool. We already actually are officially funded. We were funded within 45 minutes of the project. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty uh, good. It's, it's for all those people who were intimidated by the covers who were able to get it without being seen buying it. It's true. Anonymous. I can see them on the back end. But actually, it's so successful that Kickstarter reached out to us and they're like, we want to promote it through Kickstarter because it's been one of the most popular Kickstarters going on right now. So. That's really awesome. I mentioned before we're doing Second Life. That's launching 8.5, where you'll get to go into our universe and play as some, um, there'll be avatars. You'll get to play in the world. There's more details coming on that, but that's launching in August. Yep. Um, And does it, just to confirm, this is with the game Second Life. Yep. So we're partnering Uh. with Second Life. And we'll be the first uh, entertainment company that they've ever partnered with to this Excalibur to like bring a universe to life. Okay, I sorry That's for my really cool. It is cool, but I have to groan because Derek's not my first co-host. My original co-host that started the show with me pretty much bailed out of the show and ended up getting a divorce because of Second Life because he. <sighs> <laughs> he just went so far so deep he it it messed with his mind quite a bit it hit some insecurities and it's like it it cost him a lot of relationships and friendships and I'm like wow yeah so i well i've heard second life is such a great game well, some people he was literally living a second life <laughs> so that was second Second Life said that, like, we, I chatted with them today. It's like, they're like, we're bringing Second Life to Second Life. I was like, wow, full circle story right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. It is, it's things that make you go, woo. <laughs> woo. Yeah. So, uh, well, I don't want anyone's relationship to end no, up with a not... Zenoscope character. <laughs> Hopefully they won't. <laughs> But I don't know. I think Derek may have a thing for Alice. It was he, a good series. 
<laughs> I can't blame him. <laughs> um, well, it's it, it's what I started with Xenoscope with, so you know it'll always have a special place in my heart. I know. Again, I know. I definitely got to get into. Uh, I need to start reading Robin Hood. I just got to figure out which Robin Hood title to get into. You know, that's another thing that we're really working on. The marketing angle is that people are like, where do I start (laughs) when you've been (laughs) running a universe for so long? So we do something every month called virtual cons, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. But basically, Mm -hmm. it's a couple of days where we just live stream via Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. And we saw like a lot of our collectible covers on there. But then we also have guests and stuff like most recently we had Kane Hodder on. So yeah, he was awesome. He was one of the best guests I think we've had so far. He's great. Um, Uh, But uh, I think that's a goal for for October, Derek. You should have him on. He was great. He's a great interview. I know he likes doing interviews, too. And he'll probably love to come on to promote the re-release of his book, Unmasked. And I believe he was in a movie called Smothered that was written and directed by John Schneider and star had John Schneider starring in it, if I remember right. Full circle story. But um, yeah. so for the for the virtual cons, what we're going to start doing is because so many people are like, I don't know where to start. We're going to start hosting 101 panels. Uh, we're doing it the first one next week, which is just going to be a. Uh, Here's 101 on the Grim Fairy Tale universe. Like, this is the universe. This is how it came to be. Here are the main characters, and this is where you start. And then that's going to really start reflecting our website, too. Uh, we, I write some articles on our website where I transcribe our interviews or I talk about the newest releases that we had. We also have a stream for that. And basically an, an initiative will be, hey, this is where you start if you are interested in the character Robin. And here are the core issues that you should be reading that are really important to her storyline. Would you be looking for a green, a very green Xenoscope reader to, to help host one of these <laughs> to ask the right <laughs> questions? <laughs> I'm off on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Makes mental note. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you want to do five shows now? Yeah, are you doing four? I'm a, yeah, but this would be one that I'm not recording or I, I'm just in as a yeah, true. as a guest host. It'd be like, say, Zenoscope gets a panel at Megacon and they, they got to find someone to, to host the panel for. I'm making notes of this right now. See, I got some great ideas. <laughs> I think <laughs> either that or we've been around the block way too long <laughs> and I've seen too many conventions online or to know how some of this stuff runs. That's <laughs> what I get for being in entertainment. I, I may not know how to run a con, but I know how cons operate to some extent. I'm sure I'm probably not that far off. No, you're probably not. You should just go. Everybody launches their cons nowadays. You should just go launch your new con. We've talked about it. Win the lottery, we'll start a con. We call. We were calling, thinking about what Geekapalooza, mm, or maybe that. Maybe I was talking about it with the wife about starting a. I think we've talked about. It. I don't know if that was the name. We. I don't think we settled on. No, we haven't settled. On, we haven't settled on a name yet, but. <laughs> Geek-O-Rama. Of course, you know, it doesn't help that 
you're in Florida and I'm in Massachusetts. You know, I won the lottery and it's a big enough jackpot. I'll pay relocation costs for you if you want to move. Or we could just do it remotely. True. So it just means we got to travel to the actual con site when it happens. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just got to figure out where. So, um, man, we de- I told you we derailed tangent big time. Mm-hmm. What? That's part of the fun. What other um, merchandise offerings are you looking at for marketing Zenoscope? Because I know that still fits under marketing and, and sales. Yeah, so we push out a lot of products uh, every month. Uh, I don't know. Everybody's so great about it. I'm like, we push out a lot of product, a lot of products. So some stuff that's out, we just launched a commemorative mug for our 50th issue, volume two of Grim Fairy Tales that just dropped in the web store. Again, the Kickstarter I mentioned, we have a limited edition mango and the bunny man t-shirt that's out right now. Um, expect more t-shirts and apparel from us in the future. It's definitely something our fans like to see. I think we'll be taking a lot of risks in that department. I think cough, cough, maybe some breaking stuff here is uh, we are exploring maybe doing some like village sets, maybe a Wonderland village set. I don't know. Yeah. So stay tuned. That would be cool. Yes, we just dropped a board game called Grimopoly, which is a way to be in our universe for people to play. That's not the first board game we launched. We used to have an Alice in Wonderland board game, which has sold out. We don't have that anymore, but uh, more, more of that, like more of having such a different variety of merch and taking a lot of risks. And obviously we'll be having body pillows and that's the main the main concern here body pillows if you did body pillows. if you did body pillows and more mini mates i might i'm you may have them sold see uh, exactly I, I may i may consider it They'll be body pillows will be selling like hotcakes at cons because people will get so tired from being at a convention that if they just buy a body <laughs> pillow, they can just lay it out on the floor, right? Like it's already like a two in one right there. There you there. go. <laughs> or the anime kids who are waiting in those two hour lines for their panels, they start their day, come to the Zenoscope booth, buy their body pillow, then they have something to help cushion them up against the hard cinder block walls. Wow. It just sells itself. It's this marketing out here. Look <laughs> at this team we, we, we got right now. I'm literally, we're just going to have uh, somebody standing in the lobby asleep on a body pillow. People are going to be like, wow, I need that in my life. And then on the body pillow, it will say our booth number really big. And like, maybe we'll have like the kid write it on his face too. And then, People just be at Zenoscope's booth the entire time buying body pillows. There you go. It practically sells itself. Yeah. It it works. I have a bug crawling across my screen. I don't I don't know if I'm getting it. Maybe he wants to be on the show. Give him a body pillow. <laughs> he may actually be on the back side of the screen between that one layer. I'm hoping not. But we're talking Florida. Those little itty-bitty Florida ants. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I, I do. I was really hoping instead it would be like a palmetto bug and he was just chilling in your house. 
I had to I had to pitch a frog out of the house today. <laughs> like, uh, let me get you out before the dogs catch you. That's how it is. Like when I was living in Florida, I used to have a lot of like those little geckos that would come in my apartment yeah. and I ha- have a cat and he would get so excited because he's like, I haven't killed anything in so long. <laughs> and then he would individually rip off the tail and the body parts of the gecko. And then the gecko would like try to run away and he would take his paw and he would slide it back. It was like torture. I have to throw it away. It'd be the saddest thing I ever saw in my life. Yeah. Well, I had to take this frog, I guess where he sat has some, or crawling across the carpet. He got enough dog hair from the dogs on him. I had to take him out in a canister and just run water and just let the water beat on them and like almost pressure wash them with the water That's faucet. So, I wow. Hey, I got enough off. He jumped out of the bin on his own. So I'm like, okay, I saved your life. I'm not a big frog guy, but I saved your life. Be lucky. <laughs> you owe me frog. Yes, he does. And he was forever in your debt. No, he he does not need to be in my debt. He can owe me by staying away. Eat the eat the bugs in my yard. Don't come back in the house. So, um, do you have a favorite title at Zenoscope? Uh, I do. So I really like. It's not a very popular character, but I really like the Hercules storyline that we have at Zenoscope. We just launched a title called Hercules Pain versus the Scorpion Queen. And I don't know what it was, but I love that story. And his whole story is really great. You know, he's a very conflicted character as well, who's going through, he's Hercules in this day and age. And He's going through the things that, you know, Hercules normally goes through, but going on in society right now. So I really enjoyed that title and that character. Um, we just released a book called like an Oz annual story. I liked Oz a lot, but we just released a book called Oz annual, the patchwork girl. And that villain, she was awesome. She was one of the scariest creatures I've ever seen in like in a comic period, because basically her power was that if she got hold of you, you would turn into a rag doll. And like they and then the victims would describe that as they were getting turned into a rag doll that they couldn't even like breathe because she they were getting filled with stuffing and they were getting suffocated. And that just sounded like a horrible death. Oh, wow. Thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I might have to check that out. Yeah, that was See, a really good like story. I said, like I said, they you Cinescope really does have some in concepts, some interesting stories, and some interesting characters. Yeah, that was really and then we just released um which did very, very well and sold out issue one was Mango and the Bunny Man, which is a story of two cryptids that uh, are just out there kind of fighting crime and they're really, really funny and all three issues are out right now but I know issue number one sold out. Fantastic storyline as well. Very cool. You mentioned uh, Grim Fairy Tales earlier and I forgot forgot that that was another one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, that is honestly our most popular story right now. Like Van Helsing, Robin Hood, definitely our most popular characters, Alice. But Grim Fairy Tales, people just come back 
for every issue because they just really enjoy seeing, again, characters that they know and love battle other characters that they know and love in like a dark realm universe kind of style. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess we've been on for a while. Mentioned, uh, I think, before show about possibly flipping the tables and having you ask us some questions. I can do that. You ready for this, Derek? Sure. Okay, ready? These are going to be some tough questions. What is your favorite Disney characters? I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me, probably my top character is Figment. I used to like Figment a lot. There's great, but, great backstory behind Figment. He was the first character create, first animated cr- character created, not for a movie. That is cool. He was created specifically for Epcot. Is he really in Epcot that much anymore? He's still a part of the Journey into Imagination, right? Is he? I haven't been to Epcot he, in a couple oh, years. He is. That, that's my home park. Is it? It is. Is it your favorite Disney park? Uh... At the moment, no, because that's where I work. <laughs> My favorite Disney park is um, is Hollywood Studios because of Galaxy's Same. Edge. Same. Not of because of Galaxy's Edge, because of Tower of Terror, but I love Hollywood Studios. I liked the great movie ride until Disney gutted it. <laughs> yeah, but that, that ride was a, a ride about movies that was great. <laughs> People who ask us, that would be... You see on TikTok, what's the dumbest question people have ever asked you at Disney? Well, if I was to respond, which I don't use TikTok like that, it was, it would be, people ask me all the time about the great movie ride. What's it like? And I would just reply, it's a ride about movies that's great. (laughs) I love that ride, R.I.P. Uh, from what I'm hearing, not a lot of people are liking the animation style of the, uh, um, whatchamacallit, Mickey's, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Train. Oh, is that what replaced it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's using that newer animation style that you see on the Disney Channel. It's like, this stuff is horrible. Why are we using this for a ride? I recently heard, so my favorite thing at the Disney park is PhilharMagic. I love sitting through PhilharMagic. Um, I heard that apparently they're updating it, and now we're going to get new music and new songs. We're going to get songs from Coco and stuff. Yeah, I think, I I haven't, I've heard some rumors, um, but this is where I got to be careful. If I wanted to go look it up, I could probably find it. I don't know and official stances and until I absolutely hear until Disney officially announces it it's it's all rumor speculation so I I don't I don't know completely so that's fair um okay next question um if you could live anywhere else besides Massachusetts and Florida where would you live where would you both live hmm hmm Colorado because I love the mountains I would say that's a tough question (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
Maybe you just love Massachusetts so much you can't picture anything else but Massachusetts. I really do. I love living up here. I really do. But uh, if I could pick somewhere else, I think I would have to go with uh, one of the islands in the Caribbean. I, think. I would love to live on a nice tropical island. That sounds nice. Whatever, wherever I go, I would have to be somewhere near the ocean since I grew up you know, near the ocean. I love being able to go there anytime I want. I do love the ocean. That is a good answer. Um, okay. What is both of yours all-time favorite movie and favorite TV show? <laughs> Ooh. All-time favorite movie? All-time. Well, I think... Um, I don't know about you, Mike, but I would have to say... I would have to alter that question a little bit and say because my all-time favorite movie would be you know the star wars movies of course but if i was going for a non-star <clears throat> excuse me a non-star wars yeah. movie yeah non-star wars movie for me it's it's a split between it's a split between rocky horror picture show and howard the duck <laughs> <laughs> He could have picked I'm anything, and he picked uh, Howard the Duck. Oh my geez. Oh, don't yeah, <laughs> I don't even get started on that one. I love Howard. Um, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go really, really off the rails on this one. I'm gonna say my favorite movie of all time was an animated film that I used to watch when I was a kid, and it is called The Last Unicorn. I've never heard, but it must be really touching. Oh, it's it's a beautiful movie. It really is. It's it's a great story, great animation. There's there's little bit there's little scary parts in it. There's oh yeah, it's a great movie. I say uh, I I recommend checking it out. I will. It's okay. Not, it's not like a, it's not really a kids movie. I mean, it's kind of a kids movie, but it's not at the same time. Um, so then what are both of yours all-time favorite TV shows? Emergency. <laughs> Emergency. Emergency. To this day, if it comes up, I have YouTube TV. It is set to record anytime it comes on. I. It was something about, uh, that show was about, um, took place when in California, the laws for paramedics to be able to be more than just glorified ambulance attendants working for a fire department. Uh, they were actually allowed to administer drugs and be more medics in the field, more like paramedics we, that we have today. It started off as, uh, first part of the, first couple of episodes was the story of how California passed the law to allow, allow them to, to do what they do now. And then the rest was just, you know, different stories of probably based on real events. But that as is a, cool. But as a kid, I absolutely loved it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite, my all time favorite show, um, is for per, for a personal reason. It is Star Trek. The next generation and the reason is because i mean i love the show itself but it is also it was the one show that me and my dad used to always watch together every week Aww. and and it was kind of you know it was a little it was how we bonded so okay so, yeah that one's my favorite 
I have two more questions and that's it. My next question is if you could revive any TV show, whether to save a horrible ending or because you want to know what happens next, what is the TV show that would be? Mm, revive a TV show. I, I almost want to alter it to revive, to bring back and have done in a, in a modern age. Um, I l- one of the first sci-fi shows I remember watching with my dad was Space 1999. And I would love to see that come back and maybe get a, a redo as maybe Space 2099. That way it still Ooh. stays in the future, but still have some of the similar ships, ship looks, maybe modernized a little bit and everything else involving the moon base. Uh, since there's more talk about a moon base coming back. You know, there's more talk of having a moon base again. Um, I, if there was one show I could bring back, there was a little show, um, which I'm looking at right now. It was, it was, it's from 2007 to 2009 and it's called Pushing Daisies. Oh yes. I know that show. You know that show that I, Mm -hmm. I love that show. And it got, um, it kind of got derailed by the writer's strike that they had around that and so they kind of canceled it they ended up canceling it before it really you know it was just getting started and i really really love the show and i would love to see what they were going to to do with it okay that sucks i hate when that happens and um, i was so disappointed i really love that show it's on uh it's on hbo max now and i'm i haven't watched it again yet but i want to very cool okay Final question, and think hard about this and long. Oh, boy. Who is a better guest, me or David? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Is there room to negotiate here? (laughs) I'm going to say, on this episode, you are a better guest. (laughs) (laughs) That's cheating. (laughs) Bribes could be sent to. <laughs> oh yeah, good to know. Hands him a thirty dollar bill. Okay, what? There's not such thing as a thirty dollar bill. There you go. So rare. You're welcome. <laughs> Honestly, you are both great guests. You were both a lot of fun to talk to, and uh, it was great having you both on. I'll accept that answer. <laughs> I, I will echo. And it would have been fun to have you on together too. I, I will echo Derek's sentiments. That, that, I'll accept a tie. That that's one of those of asking who's been our favorite guest of all time on the show, and it's like can't do that either. There's been so many, and each interview has been so fun and such a great experience every single time. Except now it would be Amber Curtis, right? Currently, yeah. as Amber Curtis, <laughs> <laughs> the most recent. <laughs> well, I don't know how we're going to top Amber Curtis, but you know we'll have to keep chugging along. This is true because we, we're talking body pillows with Amber Curtis. That's fair. Have you ever talked about <laughs> body pillows on your podcast before? No, you are a first to bring when I it comes to the topic. To we have not. Yes. Wow, I'm so honored. <laughs> so David may have the distinction of being our guest on our 400th show but you started our next 400 our run to the to to the next milestone 
talking about body pillows. Wow. I love this for us. And I think this is where it's the, a historic moment. I think this is where the Weeby Geeks Zenoscope relationship begins. Body pillows. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a con near you. It's a beautiful thing. Megacon in August. That's true. Yep. Our co-founder, Joe Russia, will be there. Um, <clears throat> he will be the only one in attendance with his family because we're only we're doing a small setup since our first show. But then when we go to New York Comic Con, everybody will probably be there. Both it's co-founders. N- yeah, it's, it's, it's New, York. New York. Like it's it's hard not to. It's uh, I can't wait to go to New York. I'm very excited. Very cool. Excellent. Yeah. Maybe New- one day you guys will be there. New York's one I would love to attend. Maybe. Me too. Yeah. New York is great. I think you both said it very, very well, though. These bigger shows are really awesome. And when I worked at Reed, they were incredible to go to because it's so amazing to see like what you and the team built together and then to see the fans like love it and get so excited about it. And that was so awesome about working about at Reed. But I always have a special place in my heart for smaller cons. They're so much easier to get around. Right. It's more personal. The fans are all super nice because they're just so excited excited to meet every celebrity that's possibly there. Like I did panels at smaller shows when we would travel with my other company and every person that came in was just excited. They're like, Oh, you're part of the staff. Like that's so cool. <laughs> so the, I just have a special place in my heart for smaller cons. Cause it's a more intimate experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's overwhelming, but not, not breathtaking like a New York comic con or, or Megacon, or um, or even Celebration. Yeah, Celebration's a great show, too. So many great, great big shows. It's my old manager used to say this all the time. Her favorite part about cons was to watch the exhibit floor turn into a city. And it really does at yeah. shows like New York and Megacon and everything because those bigger brands come in and they really want to give the fans this one-on-one experience with that brand that they've never had access to before. And so they build towers and, you know, when Bandai comes to New York, Bandai does this huge setup and it's just like amazing to see the few days it takes to go up and then it's like all torn down, like 24 hours it's gone. And it's funny you mentioned Bandai. We're actually good friends with, uh, their marketing person, right? Senior marketing, mm-hmm. Cisco. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, w- cool. We've had him on a couple, couple times and uh, we may be getting some more folks from Bandai on the show in the future. So I have to say another, another, another uh, feather in your cap, Amber, is that I kind of talking to Cisco and talking to you, I'm kind of enjoying talking to some of the marketing people. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Why is that? Because, because it, go ahead, Derek. It gives it gives you it gives you a different look at, at things, um, like a different look at the inner workings of things, and 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 uh, I like. I mean, we we've we've had like, editors, like, um, we've had writers, we've had artists, and when we know the process of how a book goes from script to final product. With the sales and marketing, it's okay. Y'all are help. Y'all are involved with. Say, there's a major crossover event coming for Zenoscope. Well, you you gotta help start. Even though the books book one may start now, and it's 
three to four months before that book's released, you guys are pushing that now. Yeah, and, I, that's a good point. And it, and it's just that whole world of you know people think oh it's just easy running a company. Well, no, as you said, you know, talking to Second City or uh, Second City Second Life. Um, the whole concept of bringing body pillows to life for Cinescope, uh, as we joke about that, um, how you guys handle representing the companies, the company at conventions, um, even with the various websites out there like comicbook.com or, you know, you have those relationships that you got to work with as well to, which I'm sure is probably a lot harder for you guys at Zenoscope being a smaller, smaller company trying to get that recognition up to those folks. Yeah, I think that's another thing that's a big initiative right now is trying to plan ahead a little bit more because uh, you both said it very, very well. But with marketing is I do have my hand in everything where I'm like, no, or have an idea of what's what a timeline of a product is or what a launch is going to be. I work really well with our e-commerce manager, Mark, who does an excellent job, who plans a lot of our promotions and stuff and does everything on the web store and then taking it to that next, you know, that next level to let everybody know. So I think a big initiative for us is really planning ahead a little bit more and trying to say like, here's all the stuff that we have coming out in Q4 and then coming out in 2022. Um, because if you don't have a marketing plan, how can people know about yeah. the incredible body pillows you have and how soft they are <laughs> and how much they can offer you? And how comfortable exactly. and how comfortable they are up against cinder block walls as you're laying on the hard concrete floor of a convention. What is there ever a moment in your life where you don't need a pillow? Like no, right? I could use one at work. True. Exactly. But See, if I, I fly with a pillow. Usually do too, because I I gotta have my own pillow at the hotel along with their Cause there's something about being more comfortable sleeping on my own pillow. Yeah. I travel. Everybody makes fun of me actually. So I travel, you can see him in the video. This is Mr. <laughs> Perry. Um, Perry yeah. platypus. Yeah. He's my favorite. And, uh, I take him everywhere with me. So on all my flights, wherever I go, Barry the platypus comes and travels with me. <laughs> and so actually, funny enough, the, when I interviewed at Reed, I flew up to Connecticut from Florida and they brought uh, they brought me in and they're like, you're gonna have to fly out straight from here. And I was like, so can I put my luggage somewhere for these interviews? They're like, yeah. And so I had to walk in holding my pillow pet in the interview and they all looked at me and then everyone made fun of me. But I was like, whatever, what am I going to do? <laughs> yes. Ah, Perry, I love him. <laughs> Pillowpets are such a great invention. I wish I came up with it. <laughs> um, so it almost in many ways at the I I can almost see your position not only with Zenoscope, but with almost any company, comic company, you're almost a like an associate editor, but you're not actually hands-on involved with the book of okay, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, but more of I need to know this so we can make sure the public knows the right thing about it. Yeah. So um, you're so you're we, still a major part of that 
creative team. Yeah. So I hope, and I, I'm sure David mentioned this last week, but you know, that's a big initiative of having David on our team is to help us jump ahead a little bit more and then to start working a lot more and communicating a lot more together as a team so we can get the proper branding out to our fans and then our target audience. Yeah. I think he mentioned something about a five day sweat law Indians Native American sweat lodge adventure to work out the next three years worth of material. Don't you know that like we're having body pillows, but we'll also be creating the body pillows in our shop on our own. So side gig. I want to go back and, and listen to this and see how many count, how many times we've mentioned body pillows. <laughs> take it. I say we go back, we get the actual number and we turn it into a Weeby Geeks Cinescope contest. <laughs> and the winner and the winner gets the very count the jelly beans. And the winner gets the very first Cinescope body pillow. Which that counts as another one. <laughs> Take a shot. Well, I'm just going to go and uh, give me just one minute really quick. Body pillow, body pillow, body pillow, body pillow, body pillow, body pillow, body pillow. People are just chugging left and right right now. That's right. Oh, <laughs> As we're recording Space Jam 2 released and the reviews are so horrible people are going Mm, you know i've heard they should make a drinking game for the movie and they said you're going to be in an alcoholic coma before the halfway point of the film is that bad the reviews are so brutal and i was just saying to my boyfriend today it's really hard to make a bad movie now. Like it's not impossible, but like a movie that has so much pressure, like all these people double check it, triple check it. And then when the movie came out today, I was like, Oh, can't wait to see the reviews. And I saw it had a 3.6 on IMDb. And I'm like, Oh my what happened? Uh, I'm actually on my way to rotten tomatoes because we, we have two movies that we judge all movies by now. And the movies, there's two. Well, over on Mighty Marvel Geeks, we have two. Okay. Oh, yeah. One of them's Howard the Duck. No, actually, no. Oh, my jeez. It is not. (laughs) The first one is the the 2015 Fantastic Four. Uh, Why? Does it have high reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Don't tell me this. No. 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 So, currently, the Tomato Meter... For the 2015 Fantastic Four is 9%. Ooh, that's brutal. The other movie we judge is if it's, is it worse than this or better than Fantastic Four? Yeah, is potential, potentially a, could be a decent film. The other one is Jim and the Holograms. Oh. And the reason why, which came out the same year. I was going to say right. that they're both pretty recent films. And the reason why we say Jim and the holograms is because the studios are there. I forgot who, who released it. Um, and it still doesn't say it. production company was Blumhouse, but I don't remember who released the movie. That was a Blumhouse movie. That was a Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Oh. Blumhouse. Real. I love Blumhouse, but Blumhouse has done me dirty on a couple of films. Like, 
cough, cough. My favorite film of all time, my favorite horror movie of all time is Black Christmas, 1974. Fantastic movie. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Great movie. Watch it every Christmas. Scariest movie I've ever seen. Every time I watch it, I'm like, wow, this movie. And then they remade it in 2019. I didn't even go see it because the reviews were bad. But basically, they didn't do anything in the movie that has anything to do with Black Christmas. They just called it Black Christmas for Mark ah. And it made me so mad that I was like, is this the beginning of me hating Blumhouse? I really don't want it to be. Well, Jim and the, Jim and the Holograms. Yeah, see, I refuse to watch that one. Yeah, same. Jim and the Holograms was pulled from the theaters by this by the either the distributor or the, well, from the movie studio two weeks after release. Wow. It's yeah. to, it's tomato meter is 22%. So it's much better than the Fantastic Four from 2015. That's fair. Okay, what's the tomato meter on Space Jam 2? So Space Jam Two, the tomato meter. Oh, really? Uh, tomato meter is thirty-two percent. The kind of higher than I thought it would be for how horrible the yeah. reviews are. The audience score. Know, right? The audience score is eighty-one percent. What? I am crying foul because I'm sorry. I am much rather be watching. Shaquille O'Neal in Kablam than I than watching this. <laughs> and now it makes me wonder what com, what Kablam is. Kazam or Kazam, yeah. Um, oh. that is, you know, I was saying to my boyfriend, I was like, "What went so wrong with this movie?" And he was like, "Well, number one, it didn't have Bill Murray." And I was like, "Okay, that's fair. Bill Murray's mm-hmm. not in the movie. That's a big decision making." But like. I don't even know. I, I I don't really know. The trailer looked sick. Looked like we were going to get to see all these characters and everything. Like, I don't know what went wrong. People were saying that LeBron's acting was really bad. I don't know. It, it just great. just like his basketball playing in recent years. Oh, it's what happens when you become a L.A. Laker. I know. The love of my life became an L.A. Laker and he never got a championship ring. Who would that be? That would be the one and only the greatest basketball player of all time, back-to-back MVP, Steve Nash, who was in the Phoenix Suns forever, never got his ring, then goes to the Lakers, never gets his ring, then I'm just sad forever. He technically gets his ring because he's a point guard coach for the Golden State Warriors, and then the Nets name him the head coach, and I'm like, that's it. It's finally happening this year. And this was the first year I didn't root for the Phoenix Suns because I was rooting for the Brooklyn Nets. And then you know what happened? This is the year that the Phoenix Suns went to the finals. And I was like, of course, I turned my back on my own fandom. And this is what I get. <laughs> so I got it. I got to ask, since you're living in Philadelphia, fly birds fly. Oh, my God. Never. Thank never. you. Never. Thank you. Sorry, sorry to all my Philly friends, but thank you. Uh, there's only one football team out there, and it's you the know Cleveland how about the Cowboys. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> the Cowboys. It is. It's how about I, them Cowboys? Amber, are you still there? Amber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, actually. So everybody's diehard Eagles fans. Another really funny joke, when I went to Temple, my boyfriend and I met in college, and he's originally from Connecticut, 
And he didn't really know anything about the Philadelphia Eagles fan base. And when he left, he was like, literally the worst people I ever met in my life. And I was like, oh, so in my office, everyone's diehard Eagles fans. And I took my signed picture of Tony Romo and I held it up in my cubicle. And then they wrote like on post-it notes, like funny things to make fun of him in the office. But I don't care. Well, you, you, you should get them back by getting some Duracell D-cells and put Santa hats on them. <laughs> What's it like being a Browns fan? Tell me. Last year, it was glorious. <laughs> we actually beat the Steelers twice. I know. And the Steelers were... I won in the playoff. Like, <laughs> Steelers were like a fluke good team last year, right? They had such a great record. They had the undefeated to one point, And then it's just like, it all fell apart so quickly. They... Yeah, they're, that 12th player on the field for them was COVID. <laughs> so, uh, any any final questions or thoughts from anyone? We're we about at that time. This was fun. Oh, it's good. We always like to hear that. Yeah. Um, we certainly enjoy talking to you as well. We know who to con- We know who to contact about possibly getting... Some Xenoscope creators onto the show. That's true. Let us let us know. I'm sure we'd always be happy to promote our upcoming stuff. Um, other quick side note: body pillow, 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 body pillow. Okay. And that's a double shot for the body pillow slip up. Hmm. It's so, true. So, so if you uh, only drink once on that one, go you take that shot now for the slip. Uh, yeah, basically every. So here's kind of a quick recap. We have virtual cons every month, so you can always check out more information on our social media pages. Right now we're doing our Kickstarter. That's going to be through the first week of August. It's already funded, but we'll be unlocking a lot of very cool rewards for the more people that fund. So you definitely want to get on board with that. Second Life will be launching soon, as I mentioned. We're going to be at MegaCon and New York Comic Con. If you want to hear about our newest releases, every Wednesday we have a show called NCW, New Comics Wednesday. Your host is this lovely person named Amber, and she talks about our latest releases. No relation to me, weirdly enough. Her name's also Amber Curtis, though. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's me. Um, and uh, we, as a company, Zenoscope, would always love to hear more from our fans of what you guys would like. So feel free to always drop us emails in our info box so we can create more of the content that you really like and give us a try. If you haven't given us a try, because you'll probably really like the stories. So when you email them, you said info at Zenoscope.com. Yep. Attention, David body pillows. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody email in in info and just say body pillows. And that's it. Somebody will know to forward it to me and I will forward it to Ralph Tedesco and say, here you go. The people for it. (laughs) How many emails do I have? Can I start it with? (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. It was a blast. Uh, Derek, as always, always fun to have you on. Can't, can't do it without you. Uh, on that I note, <laughs> if, and think. hopefully this episode has you asking body pillows. Want to know more? Body pillows. <laughs> Thank you.
The bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.